Thank you. Have you ever been like really, really, really thirsty? Any of you long distance runners or hikers or you've been on a long road trip or you've just been engaging in an awesome time of worship and then you're parched and you have to come speak? I mean, we've all been there, right? Well, today, uh, I'm sorry, tomorrow is World Water Day. Were you aware of this important day uh, just for, for our nation and world? World Water Day tomorrow, you all have had it in your calendars. Well, here's the deal. World Water Day is put on March 22nd so that we can ask the question, what does water mean to us? Let me ask you that question. What does water mean to you? When I first thought about that question, preparing for today and and for tomorrow, uh, I thought about all the fun that water provides. I love the lake. I love the ocean. I love taking my kids to the pool. I love water. So much fun. I've also had really scary, difficult times with water, like when it rains on my parade or when it floods in my basement. I also thought about how important water is for all life on earth. For example, in my body right now and in yours, we are 50 to 60% water. Life would not exist without it. And yet, I just take it for granted that anytime I'm parched or thirsty, even up here on stage, I have access to clean drinkable water. But what would life be like if we didn't have access to clean, drinkable, available water? Did you know that one of the greatest humanitarian crises in our day is related to the water shortage in our world? Globally, 844 million people lack access to clean water. Friends, that's one in 10 people in the world. Of these, the average distance of that 10% who lacks access, their trip to get water is six kilometers there and back for a drink of water, uh, to clean, to bathe, and the like. And tragically, 800 or 1,000 children age five and under die every day because of diarrhea and dehydration and things because they don't have access to drinkable water. See, there are a few things more basic, more necessary to life, more human than water. The average person could live three to four weeks without food, but only three to four days without water. So I've been reflecting on this question, the importance of that which I take for granted. What does water mean to me? But I've also been asking that question, looking at the scriptures of Jesus. What did water mean to him? Because the passage we're looking at today, Jesus on the cross, one of his last seven sayings that he ever uttered on earth with just three words, I am thirsty. Have you ever noticed that in the text when Jesus was on the cross? So as we're leading up to Easter, today we find ourselves where Jesus, the one who is called the living water, is parched, he's famished, he's thirsty, he's in desperate and dire need for a drink of water. See, I think this is really important. This is the most visceral, most basic, most vulnerable, maybe most human expression we see of Jesus on the cross. It's the most personal of all. We see this phrase in John chapter 19. I'm going to read it starting in verse 6 and and jump around just a little bit. 
So the soldiers took charge of Jesus, carrying his own cross. He went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said one to another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened, that the scripture might be fulfilled that said, they divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. So this is what the soldiers did. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that the scriptures would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. And when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So I think there's something significant about this little phrase. There's a reason the last thing Jesus does before he offers his spirit to the Father is take this drink and offer this phrase that we're going to hone in on today, verse 28, later knowing that everything had been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. I am thirsty It's a big deal. And here's the big idea today, the thing I want you to walk away with. As Jesus says this, what we can see is that Jesus was truly human. Jesus was truly human, just like you and me. Have you ever considered that? Jesus was a human being, just like you and me. Now, yes, Jesus was fully God. That's a unique part of his character. But Jesus was also fully human at the same time. So I thought about this, what this would mean, and and just uh, wrote down a few ideas of what would have happened in Jesus' life that would be very similar to the life, to yours and mine. As a baby, Jesus' mother changed his dirty diapers. As a child, his father wiped away the tears from his face when he skinned his knees. As a boy, I'm sure there were days where he didn't want to do his homework. As a teenager, Get this, Jesus went through puberty. As a young man, Jesus considered his vocational pursuits. It probably went something like this. Should I be a carpenter or the Messiah? I don't know, pluses and minuses. Somewhere along the way, Jesus experienced the horrific grief of losing his earthly father. Jesus knew what it was like to be bone-tired to have sleepless nights when important decisions had to be made that would affect the future of the human race. Jesus had to confront oppression. He was seized by anger. At times, he even wondered where the father was. If he'd been left and abandoned, that's what we talked about last week, where he said, my God, why have you forsaken me? Here's the deal, friends. Jesus was truly human, just like you and me. 
So I think there's some significant things that this particular passage speaks not just about Jesus, but about you and I today that's really important. Three ideas from the text. First is because Jesus was truly human, he can identify with you and me. Whatever it is we're going through. Have you ever wondered if God knows what it's like to feel the things you're feeling even now? The highest of highs, the lowest of lows, the anger, the frustration, the envy, the joy. Jesus, because he was fully human, has experienced everything emotionally that you and I have or ever will. Have you ever wondered if God understands the situations you might find yourselves in? Identifies with the joys or struggles of your particular set of relationships or uh, circumstances, whatever the case may be, Jesus was fully human so he can identify with the broad breadth of every human experience that we could have. Have you ever wondered if God cares about your struggles, about your basic needs for food or income? Jesus understands, he identifies with every basic need we have. Jesus was truly human, so he can identify with you and me. I found this great quote from David Mathis that just goes like this. Jesus is like us in every respect, human body, heart, mind, and will, except for sin. How amazing that the divine Son of God would just not just take on part of our humanity, but all of it, and then take that true humanity all the way to the cross for us, and now into heaven and into the new creation. Jesus took a human body to save our bodies, and he took a human mind to save our minds. Without becoming man in his emotions, he could not have rescued our hearts, And without taking a human will, he could not save our broken and wandering wills. He became man in full so that he might save us in full. In the words of C.S. Lewis, the Son of God became man to enable men to become sons of God. Or to put in the language we're using this morning, the Son of God became truly human to enable you and I to become sons and daughters of God. Isn't that amazing? But it also goes a level deeper. Jesus is truly human. He can identify with us. But because he was a human, he can uniquely redeem the human race. Because Jesus was truly human, he could redeem humanity. You see, God, the Father that we believe in simultaneously is at least three things. God is good, God is sovereign, and God is just. That means God is good. His heart is for the well-being of everything and everyone. He's sovereign. He has the power and authority to make it happen, and he is just. He is right. He is good. He is noble. He is true. And the challenge with those unique characteristics is, at least humanly speaking, you can never have all three at the same time. You can get two, but not three. Let me explain maybe first with some illustrations. If you've ever done a home improvement project, you've probably heard this maxim when you've tried to call different contractors and the like. Well, do you want fast, cheap, or good? You can have two of the three because when you get two, you can't get the third. So for example, if you want something fast and cheap, how good's the quality gonna be? 
not very good. If you want something fast and good, it's not going to be cheap, right? And you might get something cheap and good, but it's going to be three years from now. Because you can't get fast, cheap, and good at the same time. Let me give one more example for you parents. Maybe you're a married couple. You're thinking about starting your family. You want to know what it's going to look like. You're going to get your choice of two of the three options, guaranteed. Money, kids, and time. Take your pick. You could choose money and kids, but you'll have no time. Any parents agree? You can choose kids and time, but you won't have as much money because you're spending time with the kids. And if you want to have money and time, don't have kids. Because they're great at taking of your money and time in all the best, beautiful ways. But does that make sense? You can only get two of those because when you get two of those, you don't get the third. Well, this is the way it works with the goodness, sovereignty, and justice of God. You could get two, but we can't get the third except through Jesus. Let me explain. Because if God is good and sovereign, he might just say, oh, that's okay. Whatever you do is fine. Sin doesn't matter. The destruction caused in, in the world and in relationships, like that's not a big deal. You could get good and sovereign, but there wouldn't be justice, and we long for justice. But what if God was sovereign and just? He was right, and he took care of it, but it was kind of like, hey, human messed it up. Like, you're on your own. He could be sovereign and just, but not good. Or he could be good and just. Oh, I love him. Sin is a problem. I wish I could fix it, but I can't. I don't have the power to do so. Does that make sense? You could have two without the third, but here's the deal with Jesus, what God's plan in Christ, because God is good, he's sovereign, and he's just, so there was only one solution, and that was for God himself to take on flesh by sending his son Jesus into the world, and Jesus being fully human, lived and experienced everything we experienced except for sin. And because he never sinned, he could overcome sin, not just for himself, but for all of us. And get this, Jesus on the cross, the only sinless one, was able to take our sin on the cross so that we don't have to pay the just penalty for our sins. Does that make sense? Paul says in 2 Corinthians this way, God made him Jesus, who had no sin, to become sin, for us, so that you and I, we may become the righteousness of God. In Jesus, we see that the Father is good, he's sovereign, and he's just. And the Father gave his son because he loves us. And Jesus gave his life as a willing ransom for you and for me. See, this is a deeper importance for that I am thirsty phrase, in my opinion. Yes, I am thirsty reveals the depth of the vulnerability of Jesus Christ as being fully human, but it also reveals the triumph of God's divine plan fulfilled. Back to the verse, John 28, or 1928. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished... And so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. As a human, he was at the end of his life. But as God's, uh, the spirit of God in him, he accomplished in this moment all that God wanted to do. 
And so here's the third point, and this is important. Because Jesus was truly human, and I guess truly God, he asks us to join him in meeting tangible, practical needs, human needs around us. Hang with me real quick. See, it's true that Jesus was human so he could identify with us. And yes, it's true that Jesus, in being human, could redeem humanity. But because he's done that, his heart is for every person. Yes, their eternal salvation, but also to make things right in this world that God created as well. When we come to him, we respond to his gift of grace. And then, the natural response as an overflow is that we are asked to go out and love God by loving others in tangible, practical ways around us. One of my favorite and most challenging passages of Scripture is found in Matthew chapter 25. It's Jesus as he's talking about what it's going to look like in the future state of God's kingdom when all is made right, when there are those who are sons and daughters of God who are welcomed into the kingdom. And he says exactly what you don't expect him to say. Take a listen. It says, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And in the passage, there's some like, well, that doesn't make sense. Jesus, where were you? I didn't do those things. What? But the response is this, I tell you the truth, Jesus says, whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing for me. See, this is so profound, friends. Jesus came as a human so he could identify with that need and redeem us. And Jesus identifies so much with us individually and collectively that when we, his followers, people who are trying to live our lives for him, look and love others in his name, we are actually loving him as well. Because he knows what it's like to be a human and to be in need. During this pandemic season, there have been opportunities and needs in our world like never before. Would you agree? And those needs never stopped. And today, even now, we're seeing more and more opportunities where, yes, we can take the good news of Jesus in word and deed wherever we go. And we're invited to meet the tangible and practical needs, the basic human needs of those around us. And so around Heartland, there are a lot of ways we can do that that we wanted to give a little bit of focus to today and some of those mission uh, opportunities and experiences and communities that are around. One thing that we do collectively is we do some church-wide drives for different things, including today. For our prison ministry, we have a clothing drive. You probably heard that the greatest need is for brand new undergarments for men and for women, T-shirts, socks, and, and the like. And so for those of you who've given in that way, thank you. You are not just blessing this drive and not just blessing those who will benefit, but you are blessing Jesus himself. Because whatever you do for the least of these, you do to me. 
We also regularly support our foster and adoption ministry, and there are a lot of ways we do that, but one of those ways is just providing diapers and wipes, and and we collect those all the time. You can just drop them in those boxes any given Sunday. It's a way to support the most vulnerable in our communities. And you're blessing babies and families and Jesus, because whatever you do for the least of these, Jesus says, you've done to me. We have an Adelante thrift drive coming up that we've done year after year where gently used clothing and furniture we're able to donate to give to our mission partners in KCK and it's great because they meet tangible practical needs with those and as they're doing so they get to invest and share the name of Jesus with that incredible community that they live in. It's profound and powerful in Heartland. We get to do that week in and week out, month in and month out. Thank you for the ways you participate. But there's something powerful when we gather together in smaller communities trying to make a specific impact. And what we've decided to do as a church is we think community is really important. And so on our website, there are a communities tab uh, that you can click on. And there are all sorts of different communities meeting all sorts of needs and connection points. All of our communities that meet needs, our missions partners, our cause communities are on there as well. And so I'd encourage you, if you're looking for ways to connect to Jesus or to community, or if you want to make a difference in some way, go to that communities page and take a look. There's some incredible communities out there, like A Bright Future for Kids, who's all about helping vulnerable families in Ethiopia and Kenya in Jesus' name. Or a Harvester's Food Mobile Distribution Group that over the course of the last few months achieved an incredible milestone of providing their one millionth pound of food to people in our community in need. Is that not amazing? Talk about meeting, you can clap, that's great. Talk about meeting tangible, practical, basic needs. One more I want to highlight real quick, one more community that's making a difference. There's a group called Team World Vision. The friend of mine named Todd Johnson helps bring leadership to it. And their heart is to provide clean drinking water, access to that, to the people who need it most. And and as you can imagine, this year has been difficult for that community and for those who are in need. But there's a beautiful update and story that I want to share with you of Todd Johnson sharing about this Team World Vision community. Our focus is raising money for clean water with uh, World Vision. Um, We get together... Uh, using two different activities. In the May, we do a global 6K uh, for clean water, and that happens with a lot of churches here in town. And then uh, starting in June, we start gathering to run and train for the Kansas City, either half or full marathon. Um, we use that time as a way to raise money. Um, we move our feet so other people don't have to move their feet. Um, so we're really focused on the 700 million people who don't have access to clean water. Uh, on average, they're walking that 6K every single day uh, to get water. And even when they get it, it's dirty. And even after cleaning it, it still brings disease. And uh, we know that a thousand kids every day uh, die from diarrhea-related illnesses from that water. So we, we feel like we can make a difference by moving our feet so that they don't have to. And that's really kind of our big focus as a community to come together Uh, not only just as a church, but also as Kansas City and also across the country where there's teams all over the place. So we're kind of a part of a small community and a part of a larger community at the same time. 
You know, community has always been one of the things that's very important for me. Um, I think it's what's modeled in the Bible as far as how we interact with each other. And so um, knowing, especially this year, going into this year, knowing that we're not going to have some of the same big events and big kickoffs and, and ways to grow, I knew that um, this is a year that you have to invest more in the people you know, um, really spend more time getting to know those people on a deeper level if you can. And so community has been kind of the way that we've, we've kept our small little pack together. And um, I would actually say this is probably one of my favorite years in the long run. I mean, I wouldn't have thought that back in March. I was very um, down about where everything was looking. But now that we're through this, um, our running season, I, this was one of my favorite years because it created new sense, new ways of doing community um, that we've just never done before. Um, it forced us to just call each other, text each other, send out emails, um, post a lot on Facebook, and just try to connect in new ways. And that's been fun and mostly rewarding. When you do something with other people, it's a lot easier. Um, running the marathon the year before, I, I, I stuck myself behind a pacer and I just ran with her and ran behind her. And I ran with, anytime I saw another World, Jersey, World Vision jersey, I ran with them. Um, and so when you're doing it together, it's a lot easier. And you go a lot further and you get a lot more out of it. When you do it by yourself, it's it's lonely, um, but you you really have to kind of dig in a little bit deeper um, in who you are and what God's done in your life. Otherwise, you, you you feel overwhelmed out there a little bit and very isolated. And so you have to kind of remind yourself. So I, I spend time praying. I spend time listening to some worship music. I spend time listening to some really loud music um, just to kind of get me over the hills, uh, literally and figuratively, uh, as route running as I'm out running. Our need for running has never been greater because even writing my sponsor kid and hearing from her talking about World Vision working in their community to teach them how to wash their hands the right way and getting them soap and to fight the virus, knowing that um, you know it, it affects them just as well is one of those things that I could latch on to while I was running and while I was kind of leading, like we're making a difference even more so this year than we could possibly imagine because um, pandemics and viruses don't slow down the need. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't skip over the poverty-stricken parts of the world. In fact, it hits them sometimes even harder. And so that was kind of a big motivation for me this year to really help us to dig in, at least for myself and then for the team, um, to keep us going forward. It's incredible, isn't it? I love some of those phrases, we move our feet so they don't have to. And one of the mantras of that Team World Vision group is going farther together. Friends, as communities, we can go farther together. As we remember, my encouragement is to remember, next time you're thirsty, remember that Jesus was truly human just like you and me. Remember he was truly human so he can identify with us. That because he was truly human, he can redeem us. And because he was, he is inviting us on the adventure of, in his name, going out and making a tangible, practical difference in meeting the basic human needs of those around us whom he loves. I would love, I know Team World Vision would love if a number of you jumped into that community in doing so by joining our 6K. It's 
coming up on May the 22nd, I believe. Uh, I think we have a slide here. You can sign up. There's kind of training for that. It's a walk or run, but a great way to make a difference. And here's the deal. In the past three years, we've provided accessible water for 5,000 people, contributing $250,000 to this great cause. Let's do it again, Heartland. Let's dive in this year. Well, in lieu of sort of a closing prayer, let me offer this blessing to all of us, both in the room here and online, wherever you are. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you his peace. It's in the name of Jesus that I say go. Have a great week.